Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. So good morning. Why don't you again turn to two or three people, welcome them to church, and have a seat this morning. Great to see all your beautiful faces in God's house together this morning. Um, Today, I'm excited. We are in part two, as it is in heaven. Uh, Last week, we talked the kingdom. I I just kind of taught a little bit on the kingdom. And today is all about teaching on the church. You know, this this wild little concept called the church. And so last week, the kingdom, this one is on the church. And again, it's a Church United series. So we're joining dozens and dozens of other churches across Broward here in South Florida, and really just teaching and preaching on the same things. And I think it's a real, like, opportune time for us as a baby church. I mean, this is like, you know, COVID was a reset, so we're just a couple years in, a 100-year journey. I ain't going to be here in a 100 years, okay? But, but how many of you know that we're showing up for people who haven't shown up yet? We're building something that generations yet will begin to hear the love of God. And so this is an exciting time for us. And it's really one of these series and one of these concepts. I think if we get this in our head and our heart, it's a very foundational for thing for us as a young, growing church. And if you've been a part of our church for like this last year, you know that, man, we're growing. We're going to two services. And it was a beautiful thing to hit overflow. And, and so Jesus is building his church. That's what God said. He goes, I will build my church. And as a pastor, as a spiritual leader, one of the things I actually get to see done is, is I get to watch Jesus build his church because I realize there's a lot of things I cannot do. I don't have the power to transform a life, to transform a heart, to change a mind, but Jesus does, and I get to watch it happen every single month, and then his church grows. So it's a beautiful thing. Amen? All right, let's go to John 17 this morning. This is where uh, our, our scripture is going to come from this morning. John 17. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, you can get them out. If you've got the Bible app, uh, bust that out right now. Uh, this is going to be another great Sunday to take some notes. Blessed are the note takers, for they shall inherit eternal life. Come on, somebody. I think you get extra points in heaven for for taking notes on the earth. I don't know if that's theologically accurate, but we're just going to roll with that. And uh, this is John 17, uh, verse 20 to 25, I would like to read this morning. This is, and this is Jesus praying. It's kind of a beautiful thought that Jesus is actually praying for us here in this passage. The Bible says that Jesus does intercession for us. Isn't that, isn't that a beautiful thought, that, that Jesus is sometimes your prayer partner? What a better prayer partner is somebody to be interceding and praying for you. Sometimes I wonder, maybe God the Father didn't answer my prayer, but he answered Jesus' prayer for me. Oh, come on. Like, maybe we avoided an accident because Jesus was praying for you, right? Maybe you avoided that crazy person. You were about to marry them, and God's like, no. And you never know. We're going to get to heaven one day and be like, thank you, Jesus, for praying for me. You know, he's interceding for us. And so here we go. Uh, verse 20, Jesus talk. He says, my prayer is not for them alone, not just his disciples. Watch this. He said, but I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And guys, that's us. Jesus, one of the final few things he did on the earth is pray for you and I. It's a beautiful thought. He's praying for us, all those that would come along and believe on this message, right? And he says, God, right now, I'm praying that all of them might be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Verse 23, I am them, you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even 
as you have loved me. Here's what I believe. In a divided world, right, there needs to be a united church. And that the unity of the church is to be so evident and so strong that the world should look at us and say, how can there be so much unity among so much diversity? When the world gives us so many reasons to be divided, here we rally around the banner of Jesus, and ultimately Jesus gets the glory because the world should be able to look at it and be like, how could they still be unified with all these things going on? Who's their leader? How many of you know the leader of the church is Jesus? He's the head of the church, and the world ought to look at us and be like, wow, how is this even possible? Maybe there's something to this man, Jesus. Now, as I teach this morning, there's a few things I think it's good for us to know about the church. Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection gave birth to the church. And I find this to be a fascinating concept. When God wanted to change the world, I'm back to preaching now already, I can't sit down. Like, like when God wanted to change the world, isn't it wild that he didn't give birth to a nation, a political party, a government, a king, or an emperor, or an army, or a business, or even a nonprofit? Jesus gives birth to the church. This wild, awkward, all over the world thing that's to be the city set on a hill, the salt, the light. God's like, listen, if you look around this morning, you're God's plan A. There is no plan B. He gave birth to this wild thing called the church. And he's like, through the church, I'm going to transform the world. This gospel is going to go to all parts of the world through the avenue of this body, this wild thing called the church. And so he gives birth to the church. I think so many times throughout history, the church looks a little weird. She looks a little weak and she looks a little awkward. And just when you think the church is out, God does something wild and the church bursts into something brand new. And it's just, it's kind of beautiful. It's, it's kind of wild. It is his church. He's the head. We're the body. He's the groom. We're the bride of Christ. The church is local and she's global. You know, we're organized for impact, but we're just not a nonprofit organization. We're actually an organism. We're this living, breathing, wild thing called the body of Christ. We're his hands. We're his feet. How many of you know that we don't just go to church? We are the church. And, and that when church dismisses, church isn't actually dismissed. Service is over, but we're still the church. The church is everyone throughout the ages and all nations and ethnicities who've received Jesus. I like what one theologian said. He said, the church is the community of all real believers for all time. Right? Like, it's everybody all throughout time. And it is our union with God that creates our unity with each other. The Bible says that we have one faith, one baptism, one spirit, and one Lord. Okay, there's different logos, and there's different labels, and there's different leans but we have one Lord. And even back in the New Testament times, the Apostle Paul talks about this. Some people are like, yo, I follow Paul. Others are like, I follow Apollos, right? And Paul's like, hey, listen, man, I got nothing for you. I didn't die for you. It wasn't, it wasn't my body that was broken for you. It's not my blood that was shed for you. I don't, I don't have anything for you other than Jesus. So how could we say this man's this guy and this is this thing? And so, listen, we all rally around different labels, and that's cool, but come on, guys, we have one Lord. There's one place where the strength comes from. There's one place where the grace comes from. There's one name by which all people are saved, and his name is Jesus. That is our great rally point. My label, my logo has nothing for you, right? He's got everything, and our hope is in him. Amen. 
Guys, is the church perfect? No. Is Jesus perfect? Yes. Right? Yes, he is. I, I think for me as a pastor, one of the saddest things is when, when someone has a closer relationship with a church than they do Christ. And they're like, oh, the church hurt me, so I'm out. And often when we talk about people that hurt us in the church, we're usually talking about, what, three, four, five people, maybe ten at the most, right? And there are some crazy people in church, okay? Let's be honest. People can be crazy. People can be hate-filled. They, they, can, be, they can be gossipers and slanderers and whatever. And, and so, yeah, I mean, in a perfect world, the church would be perfect like Jesus but the church is made up of a bunch of imperfect people who are broken, who are a little messed up, who are a little annoying and frustrating, right? Come on. So there's this dynamic where we're being transformed in the image of Christ, but Jesus begins with everybody right where they're at, right? And so, yeah, the church is this messy space where we're being transformed into Jesus' image, but we're still humans. And sometimes when people make mistakes, it doesn't make them a hypocrite. It makes them a human being. And I think we all ought to have enough maturity, enough grace to be like, we are all in process to becoming like Christ, you know? And so when they're like, oh, the church hurt me, I give up. Okay, that's true, but Jesus didn't hurt you, right? Somebody else's misuse must never become my excuse to get out of this thing. Somebody else's sin must never become my reason to give up on the personality and priorities of Jesus. Jesus has not given up on his church, and I, and I, hope, you don't, I hope you don't either. Um, you know, he's, he's praying for our unity. It, it is such a strong, powerful prayer, and, and he believes in it so much. And again, he calls it one of the greatest witnesses we have to the world is our love and our unity for each other, right? Now, this might come as a surprise to some of you. I mean, my wife and I have been married for 17 years. We don't see everything eye to eye. Okay, if you've been married, you know I'm like joking right out of the gate, right? Like, we don't see everything eye to eye. In fact, you would be amazed at how many things my wife is wrong about. Like, you would be, sh it's shocking to me. Like, I can't believe, you know, she, she thinks of the things she does. And I'm, I'm going to pay for that comment later. She's, she's in the back, you know, with the kids. And, and so, but, but, but there's a lot of things we don't see eye to eye on, right? And, and like all marriages, we're like, hey, where should we put the extra money? Well, I want to spend it here, and, you know, I want to spend it here. You know, it's just, it's, it's funny. There's tons of stuff we don't see eye to eye on. But how many of you know there are some things we see together. We see that no one can love our four kids like us. We see all the laughs, the tears, the ups, the downs, the joys, the struggles of 17 years of love and friendship. We see a church that we planted together that God is growing and blessing. These are the things we see. And how many of you know what we see is greater than what we don't see? And we start prioritizing what we do see and diminishing what we don't see. Guys, we're a body of believers. We are never going to see everything eye to eye perfectly. Unity doesn't mean sameness. God's not trying to turn you into me. He's trying to turn us all into Jesus. But even, even though we're a little different, come on, there are some things that we do see together. We see Jesus as Savior and Lord. We see love God, love others. We see serve people. We see humility and peace and joy. The things that we do see are greater than what we don't see. And we rally around Jesus and diminish the differences for the greater cause. Churches get in trouble when they prioritize the wrong things. 
Marriages get in trouble when they prioritize the wrong things. Keep the main thing the main thing. Major in the major and minor in the minor. Amen? Let's prioritize Jesus. Human unity is kind of a wild thing. There's this interesting story in Genesis 11. And the Bible says they're building the Tower of Babel, right? And, and God comes down and he's like, look at them. They're unified. And he goes, look at, look at their unity. They could do anything, right? Listen, if human unity apart from God's will can do anything, how much more could human unity under the direction of the Holy Spirit get done? I don't know about you, but I believe nothing is too hard for the church when she's unified. I don't think the devil's afraid of a big church. I think he's afraid of a united church. Because when you and I get together under the direction of the Holy Spirit, nothing is too hard for us. I think this gospel will get out to the ends of the world. I think we will love on broken people. I think we will serve our community. Come on, guys. Like in 100 years, I hope our church is big enough to start buying single moms cars. Maybe we could buy somebody a house. Like let's start dreaming big. Like, like I, I know where we're started from, but I don't want to stay here. I want to lift some weight. How many of you know that 100 people will always lift more weight than two people? Right? Ryan and I together, we can both lift a good amount of weight, but we can lift more weight together. And that as God calls us all together, and as we're unified, we can start lifting the weight of the community. Amen? And there's always a spiritual need. So, you know, there's that. So what could unity under the lordship of Christ look like? Amen? I think it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's good. Now, how, how could we build unity on a local level? Let me, let me spend the next 10, 15 minutes on, on this funny little thing. How do you build unity on a local level? This comes from Ephesians chapter 4, and, and I, love, I love Paul here. He, he says, and I love how he starts in verse 4. He goes, as a prisoner of the Lord. In other words, y'all, I'm in prison for this thing, so you better pay attention, right? Like, like I, I'm going through it for you, so listen up, right? He said, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit, just as you were called, one hope, right? One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's over all and through all and in all, right? How do we build unity with the Holy Spirit on a local level? Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Be humble. It's this beautiful word in the Hebrew, and it literally means to crouch down, right? It, it means to bend low to the ground. And the New Testament often carries the concept of having a modest self-perception. I like what C.S. Lewis said. He said, he goes, humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. I'm beginning to think about other people, and I'm treating them maybe better th than my, myself, right? Here's, here's the thing about humility. It is the opposite of pride and arrogance. Unity is built by humility. Pride will always destroy unity because humility makes it about we. Pride makes it about me, right? I'm right. They're wrong. I'm better. It's just... That's pride, but the spirit of humility is I'm going to have a modest self-perception, and I know this whole thing called church will always be greater than me. It's, it's all of us together. In Luke 14, there's this really interesting story of Jesus, and, and he's watching. The, he's, at a, he's at a wedding party, and he's watching the guests come and sit down. And some of the guests are coming into this wedding party, you know, and it's, I'm sure there was music and it was fun. And some of the guests come and they want to take like the best seat they can grab, right? So they want like the seats of honor. And so they come in and they sit down at the seats of honor. And he's watching these people kind of scramble in and, and do all this. And Jesus said, he goes, hey guys, listen, when you come to a party, 
He said, don't, don't take the seats of honor because, because maybe the host will come in and somebody more important than you enters the party and the host is like, hey, I need you to sit down there. I'm going to make room for, for this VIP, right? And he goes, then you got to kind of do the walk of shame and walk all the way down the table, you know, and you'll be humiliated in front of everybody that you're not as important. He said, wouldn't it be better to, to take, take the lowly seat and sit at the, at the end of the table, the seat of less honor, and then the host comes in and is like, yo, my friend, my friend, you mean way more to me than this. Come up here to a great spot, right? And, and then Jesus drops this little line that I think is so profound. He says, for all those who exalt themselves, they will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Isn't it better to enter church and spirituality and this whole thing called Jesus with the spirit of humility and trust God to exalt us in due time instead of rolling in like we got it all together? Come on, let's be honest. There's at least a portion of all of our theology that's probably a little wrong. I mean, I know you think you got God figured out, but let's, let's be honest. We're probably all a little wrong somewhere. We just don't know it yet. And so I want to marry this thing called humility because I realize I'm using one-tenth of my fallen brain already, and I'm going to have an infinite God figured out? Come on, somebody. So I want to have humility and treat others better and let God bring me up at the right time and trust God to bring you up at the right time. Unity is built by humility. Can I, can I tell you one of the things I love about our church? We're so diverse, but we're so humble. And I love that. It's loving and it's humble. Can you guys just give it up for yourselves for two seconds? Because it is a humble house. And I, and I love that about you servant leaders and everybody else. Uh, number two, how do, how do we just be gentle? I love this. It simply means to be mild, courteous, kind responses. Man, if you're married, don't forget be gentle, right? Be gentle at 5 a.m. when you wake up and you're angry. Be gentle when your boss emails you and it throws you into an anxious kind of, you know, stressor. Be gentle when your wife says, do the dishes. Come on, let's be gentle. Let's marry gentleness. Gentleness is considerate of how my response impacts the other person. You know, those angry outbursts and selfish moments. What, what is that? That's us releasing negative emotion, Right? But what are we doing? We're tanking our spouse. We're tanking our family. We're tanking our friends around us. It feels good for us. It's like emotional vomit, right? It's like, I'm furious. But everybody else has to pick up the pieces that you just broke. What, what, what is gentleness? I'm considerate of how my words and my actions might impact somebody else, right? It, it, it's being patient. It's realizing God's working on me and God's working on another person. I'll, I'll, I'll be gentle. Then the next one, number three, I, I love this one. Bear with one another. I, I love this. The, the word bear here in, in the Greek literally means to kind of carry something unpleasant, right? Guys, can I be honest? Somebody is going to annoy you in church. Maybe it's me. I don't know. You know, like somebody's going to annoy you in church. And what are you going to have to do? You're going to have to bear. You're going to have to carry something uh, unpleasant. You're going to have to carry something unpleasant around, Okay. Guys, Christians sometimes are awkward, okay? You got to just bear with it a little bit. Sometimes I'm like, can I just take that believer's Instagram account away? Jesus, they're not helping the cause at all. Like, you just got to bear with some of those awkward people. Sometimes they're going to say something weird. Just, just bear it. Sometimes you're going to get a little offended. Uh, just, just bear it a little bit. Why? Because the cause is greater. And Paul's like, yo, I'm in prison for this thing. You think you're going through something uncomfortable. Look at me. Don't forget to bear each other's burdens. When somebody puts a little weight on you, just bear it for a little bit. When you're tempted to be annoyed and check out, just, just endure it and, and bear 
bear with it a little bit. And then he winds down with this. He says, make every effort to keep the peace. Make every effort to keep the peace. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stretch your hand as high as you can. Come on. Stretch it up in the air as high as you can. Just stretch it right now. Stretch, 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 stretch. Okay. Y'all ready? You got as high as you can? Go a little higher. Oh, I thought you said as high as you could, though. You can put it down now. I thought I told you to put it up as high as you could. We went a little higher. What am I saying? We can always stretch a little bit more. We can always stretch a little bit more. What I have found in conflict with other people or miscommunications and misunderstandings, I can always go a little bit more when it comes to make the effort of peace. I can always extend a little bit more kindness, a little bit more grace, listen to what they're saying. And, and listen, feedback is hard because I don't know about you, but when somebody gives me negative feedback, I, I want to respond, right? Like I'm a preacher for a living. I talk for a living, Right? When I was a teenager, I was always talking a lot. My core team is laughing at me because they know. Like, but my dad was like, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. He goes, listen twice as much as you talk. I'm still learning that lesson, y'all. I'm like, I'm like just quick, let's get it out, you know? And, and, and so when I hear feedback, I, I, my temptation is I just want to talk. I want to talk over it. I want to solve it. And I'm trying to learn. Even at 40, I'm still in process. Listen to the whole thing. Try to hear the hurt. Try to find the meaning. Try to extend some, some grace. Make every effort for peace. I don't know about you, but I believe Jesus loves peace, and I believe he loves progress. And we're in this wild thing called church. We're picking up his personality. We're picking up his priorities, right? We're, we're making every effort for the bond of peace because there's a greater call on the church. Amen? Amen. Did you all enjoy today? Good. Let me pray for you really quick, and we'll wind down today. Heavenly Father, thank you for this teaching. God, thank you for the unity in this house as we rally around the person of Jesus. God, thank you that we're a church that's going to make every effort to be at peace, to hear each other out, to listen, to, to carry those uncomfortable burdens, to be there for each other as best we can. So God, thank you for what you're building. Lord, as a leader here, I get to sit back and see you building your people in your house and we stand grateful. God, we pray for the greater unity here in South Florida. We pray that you would continue to unite our hearts together in love, that we would lift the spiritual brokenness of the communities, that we would care with practical need and spiritual help. Jesus, as you are leading your church, in your amazing name we pray, amen and amen. Let's give it up for Jesus one more time this morning. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.